Welcome to part two of our progressive overload two-part series. Last week didn't go to plan. Uh, Technology was not on my side. So we ended up just being in a room together and hanging out uh, and chatting for a good 45 minutes after our technical difficulties. But I've recorded part one. It is available on Circle. In part one, I spoke about, I'm just going to do a recap of part one, and I will bring in some of the things I spoke about in part one into today's call. But today is going to be part two of the series. So in part one, I asked you four questions, which we're going to talk about uh, today. And I might pop you in breakout groups. It's a small group, so we might just talk about it uh, in the room together. In part one, I asked you four questions. And those questions were, what does progressive overload mean to you? You know, what comes to mind? What's your definition of progressive overload? The second question was, what don't you feel confident about when it comes to progressive overload? Question three ties into question two, which is what holds you back when it comes to making your training harder or to applying progressive overload? So is it that you don't feel confident? Uh, You're not sure what variable to use or when to use it. You're uh, afraid of injury. Uh, You are afraid that you might run out of energy. Then I spoke about the 10 rules of progressive overload, and there are more, but there are 10 main rules. Then we spoke about the three, uh, the first three variables uh, when it comes to progressive overload, and that was quality, range of motion, and tempo. That is your priority. When you're thinking about making your training harder, as in like a macro kind of plan or strategy, You know, when you're thinking about going next level, we want to think about the number one priority is that I've got the quality, the range of motion and the tempo within my training practice. That is my key focus. Then we can look at it within each training session and within each movement. Our priority is quality, range of motion and tempo. So I gave you a framework and a checklist for you to use in your training. And I want you to take that framework and checklist into every training session. Am I doing this movement to the best of my ability? To Am I I working towards the qualities and standards that Amy is asking of me within this particular movement, within this particular training session, within this particular week, within this particular cycle? Then am I doing that to its fullest depth or its fullest range? Am I getting that depth and range out of the movement? That is our second priority because the more range or depth that we have in a movement, the more that we can recruit. And we want to recruit more because we build more strength and we also can build more muscle. Then the last one is, am I doing it to the prescribed tempo? Can I control my own body or can I control this weight? to the required time. The amount of times that I say during a week, what happened to my tempo? What happened to my tempo? What happened to my tempo? Uh, 
is because tempo is really important. Showing me that you have control and you own the movement is vital, is really important. So those are your first three variables, the top three. And you want to run through those every training session and every movement that you do. If you can tick off, yep, I've got quality. Yes, I've got range of motion. And yes, I've got tempo. As I said in the first part, I'm not after perfection. If you're learning a new movement or you have a weakness or restriction, it's not going to be perfect. I'm not after technically perfect movements and training. I'm after the intention the intention. And I can tell, I can tell when you're showing up with the intention of quality, range of motion and tempo in the movement and in your training. And I can tell when you're not, I can tell when the mind is a little bit frazzled and chaotic, uh, when you're not, uh, taking your time to set yourself up, you're not executing the movement, uh, all the range with the, the prescribed standards or tempo. Part two, so today we're going to talk about the next three variables. The next three variables are volume, intensity, and density. Density really just meaning that we're playing with the work-rest ratio of the training. So these are the three that we'll focus on today. In the first uh, session, I also spoke about the importance of creating new stress onto the body. So that's essentially what we're doing, whether we're rehabbing an injury or trying to move through chronic pain or we're trying to get stronger, build muscle. We always want to be putting new stress onto the body. Now, progressive overload doesn't happen in a linear uh, a linear manner, but we always want to bring this intention to our practice that we are trying to create a new stress on the body. Sometimes that's just going to be demanding more quality from the movement, demanding more range, going slower. Other times that's going to mean that we want to do more volume. We want to increase the intensity or the weight, or we want to do more work within the session, which is the density. So let's chat through the next three variables. Before we go into these three variables, we're going to work through the questions. And so I'm just going to hit pause on the recording and we'll just uh, have a conversation about the three variables. Okay, let's dive in. So the next variable is volume. So volume really just means the amount of work that we're doing and volume is sets and or reps. So we can, there are three really simple examples of how increasing training volume uh, can be a form of progressive overload. So you can increase the number of repetitions per set. So say you're doing a squat and, you know, I've got three sets of eight. So what we could do is we could try and get a ninth rep and then a tenth rep. So we could increase the repetitions per set. The second way that we can increase volume is sets per workout. So we might just stick at eight reps, but we might do a fourth set at eight reps. Then the third way is to increase the workouts per week. 
So what we could do, and a lot of you did this in Warrior Queen Challenge, some of you did this in Warrior Queen 2.0 Play to Win, was that you actually trained, you know, you moved from three sessions to four sessions. And what that means is that we can expose you to movements more often. So a lot of you squatted twice in Warrior Queen 1.0, and that allows us to increase the volume of work of that movement or the volume of training per week. Now, a lot of the times I don't really manipulate this too much unless we're in a challenge or we're further enough in our journey when we're talking about training four times a week instead of three. The two that we manipulate a lot uh, and that I want you to think about is your reps per set and then your sets per workout. So an example, we can have reps per set increase and the weight can stay the same. So for example, say week one, you have three by six reps at an X amount of weight. So X amount of pounds or kilos. Then week two, we go three times seven reps. We stay at those X amount of weight or kilos and we try and do one more rep in each set uh, to increase the volume of work at that load, at that weight. Then week three, we would try and do three sets of eight reps at that weight. The second way we can manipulate it is sets per workout increases and the reps stay the same as does the weight. So week one, we could do two sets of eight reps at X amount of kilos and pounds. Week three, we could do three sets of eight reps at the same weight. Week, I think I said week three instead of week two. Week two or week three, so the next week we're doing maybe, you know, four sets of eight reps at the same weight. So we can increase the amount of sets per session, which increases the total volume. Now there's one, there's, there, there are a couple of key things that I really want you to take away from uh, this second part. The upper body and the shoulders crave complexity and love volume. The lower body, the hips and the legs crave intensity uh, and really love simple compound movements. So I'm going to say it again. The upper body, our shoulders and our arms actually really crave complexity and crave us to increase volume. The lower body craves intensity, so more weight on the bar or pulling more weight off the floor or pushing more weight with our legs, and it really craves simplicity. So basic squat hinge patterns. And we're going to go uh, deeper into that, but I just want to cover intensity before we do. So intensity really means increasing the weight uh, on the bar or the weight that we're using, press, uh, pressing, pushing, lifting. But there's two ways we can increase intensity. We can increase intensity for looking at the complexity of the movement. So this often, uh, when we're talking about body weight strength training, so your push-up, for example, you could start with an elevated push-up on a bar or a box and 
what we would do at that progression or at that, prog- I'll use progression because essentially with body weight stuff, we start at a certain progression that allows us to do the volume and work and then we increase the complexity uh, or increasing the intensity, but we don't add load to body weight movements until we have developed the complexity out. So I'm going to run through the push-up as an example. So say you can't do push-ups on your toes or your knees on the floor. We would start with an elevated push-up on a bar. My number one priority here at that progression or at that complexity would be to build your volume. So it's an upper body movement. Upper body craves complexity and volume. So we have to meet our strength where it's at. And for you to do it properly, meet the standards, the qualities, the range and the tempo, you start on a elevated push-up. I'm building your volume first. So the way that we could do that is through increasing the sets or the reps. So for example, say when you started, you could just do three sets of five. And then the next week we want to try and do three sets of six, seven, eight, nine, ten then what's going to happen is that you're going to reach the limit on the amount of reps that you can do. So what we can do is we can actually then change our approach where we reduce the rep range and we increase the set range. Now, this often happens when we increase the complexity of the movement. So say you built that elevated push-up to three sets of 10 reps. That's pretty good. So what we would do is we would lower the bar down. So we're increasing the complexity or the hardness of it. Then what we might have to do is start at our lower reps again, or we could try and do more sets uh, at lower reps. And then we would build it from there. Eventually, we move you to the floor. Then we need to look at, okay, well, how do I make this movement harder? How do I make it more complex? So what we could do is we could start to work the negative. So the negative is making it more complex, making it harder. It's a form of progression in itself. So with this, we would have to start probably at low volume. Uh, And what we would do is maybe we'd have to do three sets of three reps or four reps. Now, because the reps are quite low, we can increase the number of sets. Because you can't do any more than four reps at a time, what we can do is we can actually just rest and do more sets. So instead of doing three sets, we could do four or five sets. And because you've rested in between, you should be able to get more volume of work in uh, at that progression. So say then you reach that milestone or target for your push-up and now you can do you know, five or six really good slow negatives Then we would look at, okay, how can we, and you might be able to do that for three to five sets. Then we would look at, okay, let's make it more complex. So now we go negative down, drop to the knees and press back up. So again, we're making it harder. And generally what we have to do when we increase the complexity of a movement or make it harder, we have to drop our volume back down. Then we increase our volume back up until we've reached a good amount of volume or work or what I call a milestone at 
that progression. Then we can move on to the next progression. So then we would be working on full push-ups. Now, maybe you could only do one or two reps of a full push-up. So we could do one or two reps of a full push-up. We could uh, then do negatives and push up on our knees to finish out the reps. Then we could build that and build the volume. So we could do, you know, three to five sets of one to two full push-ups plus, you know, three to five uh, negatives plus pressing up on our knees. Once we've reached that milestone, then we'd look at, okay, let's slowly try and build the amount of full reps that we can do in the first set and then the second set and then the third set to eventually we're reaching three sets of five strict push-ups in each set or three sets of 10 strict push-ups in each set. Then we can increase the complexity further. So we could do deficit push-ups or we could go to ring push-ups or you know, we could start to work on a one-arm push-up. So there are many progressions or many ways to make a body weight strength movement harder. Every time we make it harder, we're increasing the volume of work we can do at that new progression first before we move on to making it more complex or harder. That's with body weight. So the same will go with your pull-up, you know, any other body weight movement, a ring dip, a ring row. Essentially what we're doing is we're starting at an angle or we're starting at a certain place where we can do a decent amount of volume. We build the volume and then we make it harder. Now, what if you're using weight with your upper body? So what if you're doing a single arm strict press or, you know, an inclined chest press? If we go with this rule or philosophy that the upper body loves complexity and craves volume, the thing that I really love to do is I love to do drop sets. So say you're doing a one-arm strict press and we've picked a certain weight for you to do, so X amount of pounds or kilos, and the prescription is three by eight or it might be, you know, the first set eight to 10, and then I pres- I've prescribed six to eight reps for the second and the third set. So the first set is really, you know, a moderate weight where we're just warming up the movement. So we're going to talk about RPE and rate of perceived exertion uh, towards the end. But say you pick a certain weight and you do eight or 10 reps. Then we're getting into the heavier weight where I've prescribed six to eight reps for two sets. So your goal is to get two sets of eight. So I want you to pick a weight where you can get two sets of eight reps. Then the following week, we're going to think about increasing the, do we want to increase the volume or the intensity? So we could do both. If you've gone to the high end of my range, then we can increase the intensity. Say you only did two sets of six reps and that was pretty hard for you. What I would recommend is you stay at that weight and that you try and get your seventh rep the next week. And then the next week after that, you get your eighth rep. And when you've got your eight reps at that weight, because you've built more volume, then we go up in intensity. Now, because we're doing a press with a... Uh, a weight, we're not really increasing the complexity, we're increasing the intensity of the movement. So then we go up in up in weight. Now for women, 
when it comes to the upper body, you're only looking at one to two kilos or, you know, maybe three to five pounds as an, as an increase, as a general rule. What they do say uh, in the research and the science is no more than a 10% increase each week. Now, 10% is quite a lot. When you're a beginner, that's pretty easy to get. 10% increases because you're not lifting very much. It's specifically easy to get when it comes to your lower body. It's a little harder sometimes to get when it comes to your upper body. So for the upper body, I like to talk more in weight. So we're talking one to two kilos or three to five pounds. Now, as you get deeper into your journey and you're lifting heavier, it might even be smaller than that. Any increase in weight is a form of progressive overload, but we don't want to be lifting any more than 10% increase each week. So say I've done, you know, my three by eight or my two by eight at a certain weight. Now I want to go up in weight. So I pick that weight, you know, an extra kilo or two, an extra three to five pounds. Now, if you're in a gym setting, most of the time they're going to have like two kilo jumps or five pound jumps. Now, this might be quite a big jump for you and jumping up may you may not be able to do the prescribed amount of work at that weight. So what I love to employ, engage, is drop sets. With the upper body, I love drop sets. With the lower body, I love cluster sets, which I'll talk about uh, in a second. So say you pick up that new weight. It's an extra kilo or two or an extra three to five pounds. And you start your set and you get to like your fourth or fifth rep and you try and go for your sixth and you can't do your sixth at that new weight. Now we want to be trying to reach six to eight reps. So what you could do is that you could put your weight down and then pick up your old weight that you were using and finish off your reps, whether that's one rep or you want to try and push it to eight reps. So you want to try and do three more reps to get to the top range And that's how you would progress it. So then when you come back the next week, the goal is to try and get an extra rep at that higher weight. So say that first week I could only do four reps, especially on that weak side. Maybe on my strong side I could get five out and then I had to pick up my old weight and I had to do five, six, and maybe I got to seven at that new, uh, at that using the old weight. So I got a three, three extra reps essentially. The next week when I come back, I'm going to be like, okay, on my weak side, on my left side, I got four out at this weight. Let's see if I can get five. So then we're going to try and go for five. Then we're going to put the new weight down, pick up the old weight, and then we're going to try and finish off, you know, six, seven, maybe even eight. Uh, And then we'll build that. So the goal is over the weeks to build the amount of reps up until we get all of our six to eight reps at that new weight. Then we would just repeat the the process again. So once we've got all the reps at the new weight, we'd go up again. So we'd increase by one to two kilos or three to five pounds. We'd start again. You know, maybe I can only get, you know, three out on my weak side at this new weight. And then I finish it off with my, you know, previous weight, build it out. Uh, And eventually what we'll do is we just change the exercise. 
That's the upper body. So that's a drop set. Essentially, you're doing as many reps as you can at that weight or at that new weight. Then you're dropping the weight down and doing as many reps as you can at that, at that I guess, old weight or other weight. You still want to try and stay with close to the prescription that I've prescribed you. Now, I don't mind if you are under a rep or two or you go over a rep or two. Like if you're on fire that day and you want to try and push out, you know, an extra two or three reps once you've done the drop set, go for it. Now, the lower body craves intensity uh, and that would be with with everything. So anything with your upper body, um, lat pull downs, inclined chest presses, rows, what you're essentially trying to do is take that approach. So you'll start off with a certain weight. You'll try and reach the amount of sets and the reps. If you're at the low end of the rep range, build to the high end of the rep range first, then increase in weight. And then you'll do as many reps as you can at the new weight and then drop them down, pick up your old weight, uh, and then you'll finish it off doing a drop set. That's the approach I want you to take with your upper body. With your lower body, the hips crave intensity. So our approach is to increase the amount of weight on the bar or that we're pressing or lifting or moving. So for example, say in week one, and I'm just going to use the 10% uh, increase example, but we could just, we could, you could also use 5%. Uh, you could also use weights. All right. So I'm going to, I'll go off the 10% weight increase for the example, and then I'll give you my recommendation for weight jumps. So say week one, I do three by eight reps at 125 pounds or 56 kilos. Week two, I'm going to increase that by 10%. So that's 12, an extra 12 and a half pounds or an extra 5.6 kilos on the bar. So we could go, you know, I could say I went with an extra 10 pounds or an extra four and a half kilos. So 135 pounds and 61 kilos I put on the bar. So then I would do that week two, then week three, I'd go again. So I'd try a 10% increase on 135 pounds or 61 kilos. Then I would try and do three by eight at like 145 to 148 pounds or around 66, 67 kilos. And then I could push that for as long as I can. Now we're going to get to a limit where we won't be able to increase the weight as much. Uh, So we might have to take smaller jumps or we just won't be able to increase the weight anymore because we won't be able to finish out the work required. So the three by eight reps. So what I love to employ for this is cluster sets. The lower body does a really great job and responds well to clusters, which means we do... If I have a three by eight and say I've gotten to week three and I'm at 145 pounds or 67 kilos and I actually like I I did set one and I got, you know, my eight reps and I did, I started set two and I'm like, okay, I can't do any more. Like I get to five or six and I feel like I'm going to like fail it. Potentially the jump was too big or what we can do is we're like, okay, let's employ cluster. So say we get to five reps and we really want to try and get to eight, we'll just rest. So we'll rest 10 seconds and then try and get another rep or two. Rest 10 seconds, try and get another rep. So cluster 
excuse me, I'm just going to have a sip of my drink here. So cluster means that we cluster the, the sets. For example, I was on the pendulum squat machine the other day and I worked up to a heavy six. So I weight that I could only do six reps. Now the first set felt pretty good. And then what I did was I rested 10 seconds and then I did another rep and then I rested 10 seconds and I did another rep and I actually got three or four more reps out at the weight that I could only do six if I was trying to do six in a row at. And I did that for my three or four sets. So we can also do this for our leg press, for our squats, our Bulgarians, our split squats. What we want to do is our priority wants to be lifting as much weight as possible. So we always want to try and increase the weight. We can do that two ways. We can go smaller jumps because that's still progressive overload and or we can do clusters. So say I pick a weight and the prescription is three by eight, but I can actually only get six out in a row. Okay, I want to try and get to eight. So I'm going to rest I'm going to rest 10 seconds after six, then I'm going to do seven, rest 10 seconds, then I'm going to do my eighth. So resting that 10, 10 seconds, you want it to be the same amount between each rep. So we're keeping the protocol the same. So it's generally about 10 seconds. Uh, that is kind of the, the gold standard prescription for clusters. So you might be able to get eight reps out. Hell, even you might be able to get a ninth or a tenth rep out. I don't want you to be able to do any more than like three to four extra reps with doing the cluster. That just means that the working weight was probably a bit too low. Like the weight that you choose to get to that sixth or that eighth rep should be like, I actually don't have any reps left in reserve. If I tried to do a seventh, I would probably fail. So I'm going to rest 10 seconds, just let the nervous system rest. Then I can do my seventh. And it's still going to be hard for me to push out, you know, an extra two or three reps. So I don't want you to be really doing any more than four. That will tell me that the weight that you chose for your initial was too low. So priority with your lower body is clusters and intensity or intensity first. So increasing the weight of the deadlift, the RDL, the single legs, you know, movement, uh, the squat, always try and go up in weight. Once you reach your limit of weight, what we can do is we can reduce the amount of reps that we do to try and keep pushing in weight. Uh, and we could also increase sets. So the way that we could still get the same amount of volume. So say I did three by eight, I'm week four in, you know, the jump's quite big. I am employing clusters, you know, especially for the last two sets. Uh, but still, like, I am i don't think that I can get to my eight reps. We could just do a three by six. And what we could do, or we could do a four by six, sorry. So we could increase the amount of sets that we do. That's keeping really about the same amount of reps in the end, but we're just manipulating the volume in a different way. Because once we get to a certain weight, we can't do eight reps. It's too, too much for us. So even with clusters. So what we could do if we want to increase the intensity and keep lifting more weight, we can reduce the amount of reps that we have to be on for or be lifting. And we could 
increase the amount of sets that we're doing. So we're still getting the same volume of work at a higher intensity. Now, how do we know? Like, how do we know, you know, where to start, what weight to choose? I've done a call on this, a teaching call before. So that's in the call recordings, how to confidently uh, progress your training and choose your weight. So I highly recommend listening to that. We can use rate of perceived exertion or reps in reserve. Now, RPE, the scale is from zero to 10. And it was, it's really based in the aerobic world, uh, which, you know, the running side of things, zero being you're going for the gentlest, nicest, slowest walk, 10 being you're going for an all out Usain Bolt sprint down a hundred meter track, you know, 10 being, 10 out of 10 hardness or effort, a a light jog, a five or a six. So we can use that in the strength world. So how we normally kind of carry that across is anything that's moderate that we can do for like, you know, eight to 10 reps, the weight, you know, wants to be around a five out of six, five to six out of 10. When we go heavy, uh, you know, a one RM, a one rep max is a 10. And so a lot of the times we want to be working at an eight or a nine for our weightlifting, for our big compound movements in the lower body. So the weight that we choose, we want it to be a rate of perceived exertion of an eight or a nine out of 10. 10 being one RM max, I don't have anything else left in me. Five to six being, yep, that's moderate. You know, I could do many reps, many sets at this weight. We could also use reps in reserve. So reps in reserve, essentially, the only way you get really good at these two things is by practice, is by being in your training practice for a really long time. I am very confident in knowing my rate of perceived exertion, my true rate, my true capacity, my true ability, my true how hard I am actually pushing. And I'm very confident in knowing my reps in reserve because I've trained hard and properly for 14 years. Someone at the beginning of their journey isn't going to be good at reps in reserve or rate of perceived exertion. The deeper you get into your practice and those that have been with me for a bit longer, this is where your agency and autonomy can really come into play. I can give you a prescription, uh, a volume prescription reps or sets or a weight prescription, but this is where you really start to learn Am I at a true eight or nine out of 10 for this movement? You know, do I truly only have one or two reps left in reserve? And what that really means, reps in reserve means how many more reps could you do at that weight? So when I say moderate, uh, we really want three or four more reps in reserve. So you pick X amount of pounds or kilos, you know, say you're doing eight reps at that weight, you're confident in knowing that you could do an extra three or four reps at that weight, but no more. So that is an appropriate weight for you to lift at a moderate intensity or a moderate rate of perceived exertion, three to four reps. Now, if I say heavy, that is, okay, that's like an eight or a nine out of 10. And heavy means I only have one to two reps left in reserve. So I've got a new weight, a heavier weight, and I'm going to work towards doing my eight and say I get to my eighth and I will learn pretty confidently that I only have one rep, one rep left in reserve. Like I could go for my ninth and I could get it, 
maybe even my 10th, but I'm not sure. And that would be heavy. That would be a good weight for you to choose. Sometimes we will do one RMs. So we'll go to our max and we'll go to failure. Failure is a cool thing to do as well, because we get to learn uh, our reps in reserve. So going to failure sometimes uh, and overshooting or undershooting is a great learning. So say, for example, you pick a weight, you've got eight reps, you work up to eight reps and you're like, yeah, I think I could maybe do two more. You try and go for the ninth and you can't make it. That's going to teach you. That's going to teach you a lot knowing that, okay, you didn't have one to two reps left in reserve. Alternatively, you could get to your eighth, do your eighth, and then you could be like, yep, okay, one to two reps in reserve, nine, 10, and you're like, oh, I still feel like I've got more in me. And you could probably go, you know, do an extra one or two. So say you've got 10 or 11 reps, you've learned that that weight was too low to start off with. Uh, and that is, that could be upper body stuff or we can use reps in reserve or rate of perceived exertion for all of our training. So what I want you to do is take away your checklist and framework, uh, framework from session one, which was, am I meeting the qualities and standards and milestones that Amy is demanding of me? Do I have full range and do I have control over myself or the movement? Then the second framework is, okay, if it's my upper body, it craves complexity and volume. So is it time, do I, can I build the volume out more on this progression, this exercise that I'm doing? Then can I increase the complexity? Once I've increased the complexity, my goal is to build out the volume. If we're using weights for our upper body, we're going to do drop sets. And we want to work at, you know, if it's a moderate set, five to six or three to four reps in reserve. If it's heavy, eight or nine, one to two reps left in reserve. If it's our lower body, we're going to focus on increasing intensity. So the amount of weight that we're lifting, that's our number one priority. Then we're going to try and increase the amount of weight that we're lifting each week, no more than 10%. Once we kind of reach our limit and we're finding it hard to complete all of our reps at those new weights, we can employ cluster sets. So where you rest 10 seconds in between uh, and or we can then looking at decreasing the amount of reps that we're doing and adding an extra set on. So that's your second framework. Upper body, complexity, volume, lower body, intensity and cluster sets. Okay, I'm just going to open it up for questions. So the last part, we'll talk a little bit more about the questions that I asked at the start and then We'll answer, let's talk through your questions that you have. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.